Hey there. Thanks for joining us at Risen King Church for our weekly podcast. We hope you experience God today. Make sure you visit us at risenking.life to take all your next steps and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Enjoy the message. Alborn is the Dean of Alliance Theological Seminary. He serves on the board of directors for Nyack College. Uh, he works domestically and internationally and equips, trains, teaches, preaches uh, people and folks just to continue to advance the kingdom of God. Personally, uh, Dr. Walborn and his wife Wanda have been instrumental in my life. Ron was one of my professors at Nyack College taught me a lot about ministry and leadership, and also he and Wanda did Gabe and, and our, our wedding, and so he taught us a lot about marriage as well. So would you just welcome up Dr. Ron Walbury. Love you, Ash. Yeah, we did their premarital counseling. That was interesting. Well, Risen King, it's good to be home. Uh, as most of you know, Wanda and I have transitioned out of Nyack. We moved to Lindhurst, New Jersey. I never thought I'd be a Jersey boy, but I am right now. And uh, the Lord's teaching me to love New Jersey. <laughs> and I'm learning. I'm learning. And, um, but you know what? It has been so good being home, being here at Risen King, and uh, so Pastor Mike, Pastor Lisa, Pastor Ashley, Pastor Gabe, uh, thank you for your hospitality, and it's wonderful to be in this house. Just a, such an incredible sense of God's presence here. And I'm, please know, I, I travel a lot. I go a lot of places. What you're experiencing is unusual. This is not normal. This is, it is what the Spirit intends for the church to be, but uh, what God's doing here is so precious, and it's just been refreshing to be with you all weekend. Well, let's pray, and we'll look into God's Word. So thank you, Father, for your presence. Thank you, Jesus, for uh, just that anthem we just exalted you with. And now, as you are exalted, we ask that you would come by your Spirit and minister to us. Open your Word to us. Illuminate it. Open up your truth. And then more than just touch us with the truth, would you transform us with it? Lord, may we leave here changed by your presence, renewed by your presence, transformed by your presence to represent you and bring your kingdom wherever we go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to talk to you this morning about divine healing, giving and receiving with the Spirit of Christ. And I want to have a little different perspective on it. Because uh, a few years ago, I was in Taipei, Taiwan. I was with a group of Nyack College students, and there were other college students that were there. And we were, uh, actually it was a missions conference, but I had been asked to do a workshop on divine healing. And so on a Monday afternoon, uh, I'm teaching all these college students from all over the United States, they're in Taiwan, and there was a young lady there that day named Meredith. And Meredith was from Cody, Wyoming, and unlike the rest of the students, she was in a wheelchair. And uh, I found out her story later. She had uh, had some nerve issues, had been unable to walk, her legs had atrophied, and for about two years she'd been going through this. And when this missions conference in Taiwan came up, she told her mom and dad she wanted to attend, and they said, ah, oh, we don't think it's a good idea, but she begged them, and so they took her to the airport in a wheelchair, and missionaries picked her up in Taipei, and so here she was at this workshop on healing. So when we finished, a few of the leaders and I gathered around her. We anointed her with oil. We prayed for her as James 5 instructs us. If there's anyone sick, let them call the elders of the church and uh, let them anoint with oil and pray the prayer of faith and the prayer of faith will heal the sick. And so we're doing that 
It's in the Bible. We believe it. God's presence began to touch her. You could tell that God was doing something, but we didn't experience physical healing right away. And then um, the next day we prayed for her again. We gathered, the leaders, the pastors that were we prayed for her, anointed with, her with oil. Again, the James 5 model. And, um, but again, God's presence was there, but no physical healing. So that night, it was a Tuesday night, uh, Meredith was in the dorm with all the rest of the students. There were no pastors there. There were no leaders there. And a few of these crazy Christian college students said, hey, Meredith, can we pray for you again? They didn't have any oil. Like I said, no pastors, just a bunch of Christians. And they prayed for Meredith. And about 10 minutes into this prayer time, she said, I think it's time for me to walk. And for the first time in two years, she got up and walked out of that wheelchair. The next day, we, we went to the southern part of the island. And uh, one of the leaders said, Meredith, maybe you should take your wheelchair with you just in case you need it. And she goes, I don't need no stinking wheelchair. Jesus healed me. And the best part of that story is she decided not to tell her parents what happened till she got home. So they're waiting at the airport with a wheelchair, and Meredith comes running through the door, the gate, and uh, her father fell on his knees and just began to worship God for what Jesus had done to his daughter. Now, here's why I tell you that story. The way she got healed didn't fit the model that most of us have practiced, according to James 5. But what I want to suggest, it's time to get out of a James 5-only model for healing and begin to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and the, and the book of Acts because if you notice, Jesus almost never heals someone the same way twice. He has a lot of different ways of touching people, and I believe it's time to not leave the ministry of healing to just a group of old men. But it's time to equip the young and the old, the men and the women, and to release the body to do what Jesus does. Because you know what? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he still wants to heal the sick. So this morning, we're going to look at a passage in um, Matthew that kind of gets us beyond that James 5 only. And I want to give you a quote from A.W. Tozer because it goes with what I'm talking about. He said, in the missionary society with which I have for many years been associated, and by the way, that's us. A.W. Tozer was Christian and Missionary Alliance. And he said this, In this missionary society, I have noticed that the power of God has always hovered over our frontiers. And miracles have accompanied our advances and have ceased when and where we have allowed ourselves to become satisfied and cease to advance. The creative power, just having a theology of healing, cannot save a movement from barrenness. There must also be the work of power. And, and I think you can push what he's saying and say, could it be that maybe we're not seeing the healing inside the walls of the church as much because we're not using the ministry of healing outside the walls of the church. And the more that we get outside the walls of the church with this, God's going to increase what he's doing inside the walls of the church. So in Matthew chapter 8, we find a short story, three verses, of Jesus encountering a leper. Now, let me set the context for what we're going to find here. This is right after Jesus has preached the Sermon on the Mount, and there's large crowds around him. Now, this man with leprosy uh, comes into the story. And, and I want you to remember that leprosy in the first century era was highly contagious. In fact, uh, it, we now know it as Hansen's disease. It's been largely controlled in our day. But back in these times, if you had leprosy, you had to separate from your family. You had to separate from your community. You had to live alone in the wilderness, in essence. And any time you got close to people, you had to yell, unclean, unclean. 
And, and if you started to get too close, people would often throw rocks at you. And it wasn't that they were afraid they'd catch the disease only. I mean, it was infectious. But it was also, if they came in contact with you, they were declared ceremonially unclean, even if they didn't have the disease. And so they had to go through all this process to be restored to their family and their community and their place of worship. And so lepers were held uh, far off from the community. And so it, it, that's kind of the context of what we see in this passage. Look with me at verse 1, and then we'll unpack it a little bit. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately, he was cured of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Now, in this passage, there's two characters. You get the man, the leper, who's in need of healing. And, and when I read a passage of scripture, I can almost always connect to some of the characters. And in this case, if you're feeling a little sick, a little under the weather, maybe it's an emotional, relational uh, affliction, you go, man, I can relate to the leper. I need a touch from Jesus. So this morning, some of us, we need to learn some lessons about how to receive healing from the leper. Now, even if you're not in that kind of a place, take notes anyhow, because life has a way of getting us all, and we're eventually going to be there where we need a touch from the Lord. And so that's the first character. We're going to learn some lessons about how to receive. But the second character is Jesus. And if you're a follower of Jesus, listen, you and I have been called to minister to broken, hurting people just like Jesus did. And so we've got to learn from the master how to touch the broken, how to minister to the broken. And so let me tell you exactly how we're going to end today. At the end of this talk, we're going to have people who are in need of a touch, not come up to the front, but we're going to have you stand wherever you are. And then those of us around you are going to pray for you. And we're going to minister and receive. And we're going to minister healing the way Jesus did and the way this leper received. So let's take a look at the leper first. How do we do this? What are, what are some principles for receiving healing? Now, this isn't just some kind of a, if I do A, B, C, and D, then Jesus will heal me. This is, how do I position myself to receive a touch from the Lord? What are some things that I can do to get in a better place? And uh, the first thing I see in this leper is that there's a response of faith in his life. It says in the text that he came to Jesus he didn't wait for Jesus to come to him. He didn't wait for an invitation. He took a major risk by wading through the crowd that was probably yelling at him, shouting at him, get away. Maybe even rocks were being thrown at him. So somebody said to me once, faith is often spelled R-I-S-K, and this guy's taking a major risk. I mean, he was taking, in essence, his life in his hands because... He must have heard Jesus at a distance and something awakened in him. This moment of faith awakened in him and he said, if I can get to this guy, he can do something about my issue. And so there's a response of faith. Now, what's interesting about you and I is that when we're not feeling well, when we're under an affliction, when we're kind of being hit, we often back away from a response of faith. And I don't know why that is. Maybe it's our pride. Maybe we don't want people to know we're hurting. But there's something about stepping up and saying to a brother, saying to a sister, I need prayer. And while that's humbling, I believe that's a response of faith that God is calling us to. And so this morning, we've got to learn to move in that kind of faith. Um, when Mike and I were down in Lima, Peru in 1998, we, we had an incredible time. That's where we met the first time, by the way. 
and uh, we got to know each other there, and we saw God move in healing power all week long. Uh, it just was an incredible week, life-changing week for us. And one Sunday, I was alone, separated from the team. I was preaching in a church, a little church, smaller than this room. But there were probably about the same number of people crammed into this little church down in Lima, Peru. And I was preaching through a translator. I don't speak any Spanish. Well, un poquito, okay? Um, and uh, my translator's helping me preach. And I, I wasn't preaching on healing. Uh, but when I gave the invitation at the end, this little girl in the center of the church stood up and stepped into the aisle. She's about nine or ten years of age. And she stepped into the aisle, and then she waited for her mom, and her mom stepped out. And then this little girl grabbed her mom by the arm and made her way to the front because she was blind. She could not see. And as she's coming to the front, I could tell that this girl was blind. And I got to tell you, I panicked. I was like, oh, man, I don't know that if I have faith to pray for a blind girl. So I was hoping she wanted prayer for something else, okay? And so a whole line of people get to the front, and I go with my translator down, and she's the first one in line. And so I, I look at her, and through the translator, we ask this question. What do you want Jesus to do for you? Now, by the way, that's a great question. I use it all the time because I don't want people to think Ron can do anything for them. I want them to know this is all about Jesus. So what do you want Jesus to do for you? And through the translator, here's how she responded. I want to see. And so I said, okay, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. You ever pray that prayer? Sometimes I make a living out of it and don't expect God to answer it. And so in this moment, I said, Lord, I'm going to step up. I'm going to obey you. I'm going to take you at your word. And I put my hands on her cheeks and my thumb on her eyes, and I just started to pray. And I didn't feel any anointing. I didn't feel any special power. But as I was praying, uh, I felt tears on my hands. She started to cry. And I hadn't even finished my prayer, and she pushed my hand away. And she started reading verses in Spanish on the wall. And I found out her story later. She'd been born, able to see, obviously learned to read. And about a year or two before that moment, she had lost her eyesight to some kind of a disease. And so she's reading these verses. Now she's crying. Her mom's crying. My translator's crying. And then she runs out of the church. Her mom follows her. My translator, for whatever reason, goes after them. (laughs) Hey, dude, they speak Spanish. I need you, okay? And so I'm up in the front, you know, just going, fuego, mas, senor, you know. (laughs) <laughs> it was working. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, but I, you know, I actually thought it's kind of rude. You get healed and run away, you know? And, uh, but about 10 minutes later, she comes back in holding the hands of a middle-aged man who I found out was her father, who had walked away from the Lord when his little girl lost her eyesight. And when Jesus healed her, the first thing she wanted to do was say, hey, Daddy, look what Jesus did. And we watched the second miracle that morning as her father rededicated his life to the Lord. Now, i got to tell you, the key to that moment was a little nine-year-old girl exercising her faith, saying, I want to see. And what is it about a child? Jesus said, you've got to grab onto the faith like a child again. See, I don't want to lose faith as I get older. I want to grow in faith as I get older. And so this morning... Your response of faith isn't going to require you to take a big risk. Nobody's going to throw rocks at you. Nobody's going to taunt you. But there is a sense of saying, I'm going to stand up as a response of faith and say, Jesus, I want to see. I need a touch from you this morning. Well, the second thing the leper does is this. There's a recognition of power. 
Now, when he comes to Jesus, I want you to notice what he does. He bows down to Jesus, and the Greek word there is proskuneo. It means to bow down, to worship, to, in essence, kiss the feet of a greater power. And when he says kurios, he's saying, Lord, master. And so there is a spirit of worship on this guy, a recognition that he is in the presence of divinity and power. And there's a spirit of worship. Now, I think this is key because what happens when we're sick and what, what happens when we have stuff wrong with us, that becomes our focus. And we can't get our eyes off of our own stuff. And there's something about worship that helps us get our eyes off of ourselves and onto the one who has the power to do something about our situation. And so when we come, I think we should move into a spirit of worship and take our eyes away from that which has been defining us and put it on the eyes of the one who can define us with his presence and his power. You see, there's a, there's a power that's released in worship that's incredible. And... Uh, when I was at my church in California, we were starting worship one Sunday morning. It was the first service. And uh, this man comes into the back. His name was Blake. He was a regular attender at our church. Our, our church was called Risen King also. Risen King West Coast, okay? We were Risen King before you were. You, you stole the name, okay? And, uh, and, and so he comes in the back of the church. And uh, as I said, his name was Blake. And he was bent over like this. And he was walking. And I could tell he was in pain. So I walked up to him, and I, I bent down, and I went, what's up, Blake? And he looked at me, and he goes, ah, man, I put my back out this week. I'm in so much pain. And I said, well, dude, you could have mailed your tithe check, you know. I, I actually did say that, you know. And he, he kind of laughed, and he goes, yeah, this morning, I just couldn't get away from the fact that I felt like God wanted me to come to the house of the Lord. In spite of how much pain I'm in, I just want to be here. I want to be in his presence. And I said, well, let's pray for you. And he goes, well, worship already started, so let me lay down here in the back. I'll be all right, and you guys can pray for me at the end of the service. I said, okay. And um, so worship continued. I preached. At the end of the service, I went looking for Blake. But before I could find him, he found me. And he was walking right down the center aisle toward me, standing straight up with a big smile on his face. And I was ticked. I was like, who, who prayed for you? Because I wanted to be in on that, you know? And he goes, nobody prayed for me. I go, well, what happened? He goes, well, I'm in the back. You guys are worshiping. And I'm laying there. And all of a sudden, the Lord says, Blake, stand up and worship me. And I said, well, Lord, I came to church. Nobody else would come to church in as much pain as me. Why do I have to stand? The Lord said, just stand. So I, as best he could, he got up and he stood. And he said he got up to his feet, and then he heard the Lord say, lift your hands. And he, he argued. He said, Lord, I came to church. I'm standing. Why do I have to lift my hands? And he just couldn't get it out of his spirit. Lift your hands. So as best he could, he tried to lift his hands. And when he lifted his hands, something popped in his back. He said, I had a divine chiropractic moment. <laughs> and he said, but the cool thing is, even when your back goes in, you still have some pain for a few days afterwards. All the pain was gone. And, and nobody prayed for him. It was in the midst of worship. God inhabits the praise of his people. And I believe healing can happen before anybody even prays when you get into his presence, when you get your eyes off of yourself and on to him. Well, the third thing this uh, leopard does is he requests in humility. And, and I love this. He doesn't come demandingly. Now, he comes with boldness. He comes with faith. 
But there's a progression that happens here. When you come boldly into God's presence and when you get your eyes on the one who has all power, there's a humbling experience when you're in his presence. And so this leper doesn't come and say, hey, it's my turn now. You healed others and now I'm next. No, he doesn't come with attitude. He comes with humility. And he says, Lord, Master, if you are willing, you can make me whole. You can cleanse me. You see, there is this tension of coming in faith. Yes, we can approach the throne of grace with boldness, but there's also the humility of recognizing that he is God and we are not. And, and that, you know, the story that Gabe reminded us of in Daniel of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the three Hebrew young men. But by the way, it's a great bedtime story for your kids. Shadrach, Meshach, and to bed we go. Yeah, that'll work. Works on grandkids too. So, uh, But I, I love that story because they are manifesting bold, courageous faith, but they also have humility on them. Because when they say they're about to be thrown into the fiery furnace and they declare our God is able to deliver us and he will. That's bold faith. But then they add this. But even if he doesn't, we will never worship any other God. You see, when we come to him for healing, we come in boldness. We come in faith. But we also recognize that he is God and we are not. And even if we don't get the healing we're asking for, we will serve no other God. We will worship no other God. Because one day, when we get to heaven, we're all going to receive the perfect healing he has for us. And so for whatever reason, if we don't get what we're asking in this moment, we can trust him and we'll never bow our knee to any other God. Well, the final thing I see the leper do is that uh, it results in obedience. Uh, if you remember in the passage, Jesus says, all right, here's some things you need to do. And what Jesus is instructing him in is the rites of cleansing. How can you be restored to your family? How can you be restored to your community? And you see, Jesus doesn't want him to think healing is an end in and of itself. There's always something more for you on the other side of your healing. And that involves obedience at a whole new level. And so when you come to the Lord for healing, don't just approach him as your healer. Approach him as your Lord, as your master. And say, Jesus, where you lead me, I will follow. And so position yourself, like the leper does, to obey. And so, again, this is a good place to start. If you're here this morning saying, you know, I, I need a touch from the Lord, in a few moments we're going to give you a chance to approach Jesus the way this leper did, and we're going to pray for you. But before we pray for you, let's train the ministry team. Let's take a look at Jesus. Because there's a few things that we can learn from Jesus in this passage that will help us as we minister to our friends this morning and beyond the walls of this church to others. First thing I see in this passage is, I think, really important. Jesus responds with compassion. Now, up front, let me tell you that I think the healing ministry in the church today has fallen into problems, has fallen into disrepute, has gotten a bad reputation because Christians have focused on power instead of love. And the reality is Jesus always healed out of compassion, out of love. And when people were ministered to by Jesus, they were never a project. They were people that he loved. And, and when we train a group of Christians to lead with love and compassion, then whether people get healed or not, they're going to walk away going, man, Jesus loves me. And those people loved me. And I wasn't a project. I was someone that they really genuinely cared about. Well, when this leper walks up to Jesus, Jesus reaches out and he touches him. Now, remember the context. In this culture, 
And in the Hebrew scriptures, Leviticus chapter 5 says this, if anyone who is clean touches him who is unclean, even if he's unaware of it, both will be defiled. So when this great teacher touches a leper, I think there was an audible gasp in the crowd. Doesn't he know? Doesn't he know that he just defiled himself? But see, Jesus is showing us a fundamental difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. You see, in the old covenant, when the clean touched the unclean, both were defiled. But in the new covenant, when the clean touched the unclean, both are made whole. And what he's showing us is that we are never again to run from the lepers, the outcasts, the lonely, the downtrodden, the disenfranchised. Your job as a follower of Jesus, my job is to run to them and show compassion to the people that the world is rejecting. And, and the ministry of compassion is the way we are to flow in healing. One of my heroes is a guy named John Wimber. We've talked about him a lot. But he used to say this, not everyone we pray for gets healed but everyone we pray for gets loved. And the truth is, I think the power of God flows best when the love of God leads the way. And so we lead with compassion. Secondly, Jesus responds with desire. When this leper says, if you're willing, you can make me clean, Jesus responds with three words. I am willing. And I don't think that's just a situational response for that moment. I think that is an expression of the will of God in regard to healing of all sickness. Now, immediately you say, well, wait a minute. I thought you said not everyone is healed. That's true because we're not yet experiencing the fullness of all that heaven has. But if you want to know what the perfect will of God is, all you have to do is look at heaven and guess what? No one is sick there. And when we pray, Jesus said, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it's done in heaven. And right now, we're in a battle for that. Not everything that is happening in this world is the will of God. And we as Christians are to carry his will, his desire to heal and minister to broken people. And so it's the will of God to heal. Now, what I want to come against is that some people have gotten infected with a little bad theology. And, and they start to say, you know what? I'm learning some good lessons from my sickness. Maybe it's God's will for me to be sick. Well, friends, I want to tell you, God can redeem anything the world, the flesh, and the devil throw at us, including sickness. And we can learn lessons. What the enemy meant for evil, God can redeem it and use it for good. But that doesn't mean he gave it to you. You see, I, I've learned some of the best lessons of my life from my sin. You know what that means? I think it's God's will for me to sin. Yeah, you should have laughed at that one. Because the truth is, I will never attribute sin to a holy God. But you know what? I'm also not going to attribute sickness to a healing God. And so our job is to press in and say, Lord, I may not experience the fullness of your will this side of heaven, but I'm going to fight for it, and I'm going to believe for it, and I'm going to walk in faith and believe that you are able. Uh, our founder, A.B. Simpson, had a great response to people that were saying to him, no, don't pray for me for healing. It's God's will for me to be sick. Here's what he said. It's kind of humorous. He said, if those who urge and claim to practice this suggestion that it is God's will for them to be sick would really accept their sickness and lie passively under it, they would at least be consistent. But do they not send for the doctor and do their best to get out from under this sweet will of God? <laughs> now, what he's saying is, listen, if you're going to be consistent in your theology, stop taking your medicine, stop going to your doctor, because, you know, at least you'd be consistent then. But what I would say, and Mike and I are teaching a class next semester on divine healing on Wednesday nights, 
Um, I'm not anti-doctor. I'm not anti-medicine. People say, well, what do you do when you get a headache? I go, well, I pray and I take two Advil. Whichever works first is fine for me. Because I believe God uses all of that to bring about his healing in our lives. And so, but I'm going to tell you this. I am never going to give up and surrender to what the enemy meant for evil. I'm going to keep pressing in that it's his will to heal. Third thing, I see Jesus doing this passage. And here's where it gets fun. He responds with power. When he touches this man, I want you to imagine the scaly, infectious skin being recreated in a moment. I want you to imagine maybe his fingers had been eaten away and there's fingers growing and there's appendages being restored. And I think the crowd that was gasping is now screaming because they're seeing the power of God instantly. Now, it's worth noting that even in the ministry of Jesus, not every healing is instantaneous. Sometimes power is not just instant, it's progressive. So, for instance, in Mark chapter 8, uh, there's a blind man, and, and Jesus is praying for him, and when he prays for him, he stops in the middle of the prayer. And we don't know how long this prayer time lasted. It might have been an hour or two hours or a whole afternoon. Jesus had lots of patience, you know. Uh, but we read it in about 30 seconds, and after they'd prayed for a few minutes, Jesus says, all right, how's it going? What do you see? And if you remember, the blind man goes, well, I see, you know, trees. It looks like men. They're walking around. And Jesus goes, okay, we're not done yet. And he prays again. And so there's an example of progressive healing. Uh, one of my heroes is a guy named Francis McNutt. He runs a healing ministry down in Florida. And he says that when people come to them for prayer, about one-third of the people they pray for see instant healing. About one-third see progressive healing over time. And about one-third, they may not get the answer to what they were seeking the healing for, but God touches them in other ways. And so everyone experiences something. But sometimes the power of God comes progressively, sometimes instantaneously. Um, a few years ago when I was teaching that course, Divine Healing, it was uh, a January, one-week intensive I was teaching. And there was a guy in my class named Matt Murphy. And I have Matt's permission to tell you this story. And you need to know, Matt grew up in a church where they didn't believe in healing. Uh, he didn't have a theology for healing. But Matt made a mistake. He married a Pentecostal girl who did believe in healing. And, uh, and so they ended up at Alliance Theological Seminary because he wouldn't go to a Pentecostal seminary and she wouldn't go to a more conservative one that didn't believe in healing. And so here they are. He was our assistant basketball coach at the college uh, that season, and he had been playing with the guys and had messed up his knee, had torn his patella, and something else was messed up. And so he's uh, in my divine healing class because his wife said, you have to take Dean Walborn's divine healing class. And she said, he said, I don't believe in that. She, he, she said, that's why you're taking it. So he, he's in my class on crutches, you know, with a knee brace on, and he's sitting in the back, and he has his arms folded, leaning against the wall, not taking notes because he's only there because his wife made him, okay? And uh, I guess he wasn't that much into wives be submissive to your husbands, you know, because she won that battle, okay? And, um, <laughs> and in that moment, uh, I felt it was time to do some prayer, second day of class. And I said, hey, we're going to pray. Class is over. If you have to go, you can, but we're going to pray for people. And Matt gets up on his crutches and heads out. He's not staying for this nonsense. He doesn't believe in it, Okay. So he gets out to the parking lot, and for the first time in his life, he hears God speak to him. And what God says is, hey, Matt, if you'll go back in there, I'll heal your knee. So to his credit, he comes back into the, the classroom, 
comes up to me at the front, and I'm up there with some students, and he says, uh, Dr. Walborn, God just spoke to me and said that if I'd come back in, he'd heal my knee. To which I looked at God and said, no pressure or anything here, you know. So Matt, he sits down in a chair, takes his knee brace off, and uh, he's sitting there, and we gather around him. And this was about 10, 12 years ago, and I, I remember it like it was yesterday. I remember I laid my hand on his knee, and I prayed this prayer. Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, let your kingdom come, let your will be done in Matt's knee as it's done in heaven. And I felt incredible heat in that moment. You don't always feel manifestations in the moment of healing, but in this case, I felt a lot of heat. And then all of a sudden, his knee starts shaking, okay? And so I pulled my hand away so he wouldn't think I was doing it, you know? So I pulled my hand away, and I, I looked down, and you could see his knee kind of moving, like, like vibrating. And I look up at him, and his jaw is, you know, and I said, Matt, what's going on? He goes, I don't know. I think maybe Jesus is restructuring my knee. And so we just watched this. We kept going, okay, Lord, keep doing what you're doing. And we asked him, does it hurt? He goes, no, it doesn't hurt. What's it feel like? He feels like stuff's moving. So after about five minutes, it stops. And so Matt starts doing this. And then he gets up and he starts jumping up and down. And then he runs out of the classroom and starts running up and down the stairs in the middle of the seminary. So the whole class goes out. He's running like a crazy man. And I go, Matt, take it easy, man. You're going to hurt the other knee. You know, I mean, we fixed one for you. We're not going to fix the other one. Okay. No, I didn't say that. Okay. But listen, Matt did not go back to his old denomination. He's now a Christian and Missionary Alliance pastor. We grow churches the old-fashioned way. We steal sheep and have babies, right? You know? And, uh, <laughs> yeah, sorry. So I saw him about uh, two years after this happened at a district conference, and he was on staff at the Princeton Alliance Church. He was an associate pastor. And I walked up to him, and I said, Hey, Matt, how's your knee? He goes, My knee is great. And every time I preach, I tell the story of Jesus healing my knee. I go, Every time? How's it fit in every sermon? He goes, Well, last week I preached on stewardship, and I closed with the story of Jesus healing my knee. I said, How'd that work? He goes, It was great. We had a super offering, and people got healed too. Okay. So he made it work. So friends, listen. Today when we pray, Jesus is going to be here and he has power to heal whatever it is you need him to touch. And, and while it may not happen instantly, let's keep pressing and believe that progressively he can touch us. And the other thing to keep in mind is sometimes when we come to him for a shoulder, he wants to heal your heart. And so as he begins to touch and heal you, expect him to touch you where you need it the most. Well, the last thing is this. When we minister to people, let's make sure that we don't neglect what's really important, that Jesus isn't just after a healthy body. He wants their lives, and he has a destiny for them. One last story, and then we'll pray, that connects with this. Um, I, I, I love Costco. Uh, Mike, and I say that because Mike hates Costco. But what's not to like about Costco? Free samples, okay? Um, it's a meal. Um, and, and I, love, I love grocery shopping, okay? So when I was pastoring in California, I was grocery shopping at Costco on a Saturday. And I'm just enjoying myself. I, I get a whole cart full of stuff. Some stuff Wanda told me to get. Some stuff I decided we needed. And, uh, and so I'm in line getting ready to pay for my groceries. Saturday afternoon. My sermon was ready for Sunday, and it was a good day. And all of a sudden, this couple comes up to me, and they tap me on the shoulder, and they go, excuse us but are you Ron Walborn? And I go, yeah, I'm Ron. 
And they go, are you the pastor of the church north of town called Rhythm King? And it was Risen King, but they called it Rhythm King. And so I went, yeah, that's us. <laughs> Proving that white men can't dance, okay? Anyhow. Quit laughing, Mike. I've seen you dance. It's not pretty, okay? So, so I go, yeah, that's, that's us. And, and so the, the man is talking, and he goes, look, we're not Christians, and we don't go to church anywhere, but we're desperate. And he had tears in his eyes. He says, my wife has just been diagnosed with cancer. And they were a young couple in their 30s. And my wife's just been diagnosed with cancer. And we've been asking everyone, is there a church in town where they will pray for healing? Because we don't know God, we don't know anything about this, but we're desperate. Can we come to your church? In fact, somebody pointed you out. They said, go to that guy's church. They believe in healing. They'll pray for you tomorrow. And they go, if we come to your church tomorrow, will you guys pray for us for healing? And I go, yeah, we'd be happy to do that. But I have good news for you. You don't have to go to church tomorrow. We can pray for you right here in Costco. They go, really? I go, yeah, you can sleep in. I have to go. They pay me to go, you know. And now you're thinking, what a bad pastor you were, you know? But listen, I didn't want them to think if they did the religious thing that God would love them. I wanted them to know that God loved them right there in Costco. So I finished paying for the groceries. We're standing at the end of the conveyor line there. And uh, I tell this guy, all right, I'm going to lay my hand on your wife's shoulder. You lay your hand on our other shoulder. And we're going to ask Jesus to heal her. And listen, you need to know Jesus loves you guys. You don't know him, but he's been waiting for this moment for a long time. So as soon as I lay hands on this woman, the presence of God comes on her. The non-Christian. Listen, we learned this weekend the Holy Spirit is active in the world, drawing people to Jesus. And so the presence of the Lord comes on her. Her eyelids start fluttering. Next thing I know, she falls over in Costco. And I awkwardly catch her. Her husband and I lay her to the ground. And as she's going to the ground, he yells, hallelujah. <laughs> and I look at him and I went, I, I didn't think you went to church. He goes, I don't. I watch TV. <laughs> so... So now we're down on the ground praying for this lady at Costco, and I look up, and the manager of Costco, who goes to our church, his name is Danny Martinez, he's putting orange cones around us. And he's directing traffic. He's like, it's all right. She's fine. It's my pastor. They're just praying for her. Don't call 911. She's all right, okay? And, and now people start joining us. We got a prayer meeting breaking out in Costco, okay? I... I I, I tell my students in New York City, maybe you shouldn't try this in the Bronx. I don't know, but <laughs> Redding, California is okay. And um, so they came to church the next day. They got saved in our Alpha ministry. They got involved. But here's the best part of the story, priorities, okay? They came to me after six months and said, Pastor, Jesus has done so much for us. We want to give our lives to him. And I, I said, well, I thought you already had. And they go, no, no, no. We sold our business and we're moving to Mexico. We're going to work with a group called YWAM, Youth with a Mission, and we want to minister to orphans for the rest of our life. Amen. Friends, that was 20, 25 years ago, and they're still working with YWAM. Why? Because on the other side of your healing is a destiny that God has for you. And for some of you, today's the day it begins. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you're here this morning and you're like, man, I can relate to the leper. I, I need a touch. We want to pray for you. 
And we're not going to call you up. We're going to have you respond in faith right where you're at. And so if you're here today and saying, I'd like some prayer, just stand wherever you're at. And then those of us around you are going to come and lay hands on you. So if you're in need of prayer, go ahead and stand. Now, for the rest of you, um, go to the people standing. Get your eye on someone. Go to them and lay your hand on their shoulder. Let them know they're not alone. And by the way, because there's so many people standing now, put your hand up if you need somebody. Okay? Put your hand up if you need somebody. All right? And then um, once somebody gets, look for somebody with their hand up and lay your hand on their shoulder so they know you're with them. And then once you're with them, you can put your hand down. Okay? Once, once somebody's with you, lay your hand on that sister, okay? There's a young lady here, okay, okay? Once somebody's with you, you can put your hand down. All right, now, look, we're not going to pray yet. We're not going to pray yet. Now, make sure, does somebody, is somebody with you? Lay your hand. Yeah, yeah, got it. All right, now, before we pray, let's worship. Let's get our eyes off of our stuff, off of our own issues, and let's exalt him. Let's worship. Lead us, Gage. Jesus, we love. Oh, how we love you. Come on, get your eyes on him. You are the Touch your people. Yes, Lord. Okay, now, now turn to that person and ask them this question. What do you want Jesus to do for you? Just ask them, what do you want Jesus to do for you? And not a long answer, just a, a short sentence or two. Here's what I need Jesus to do. Let's begin to pray. Lord, now we ask for your healing to be released in Jesus' name. Father, we come against arthritis. We come against cancer. We come against diabetes. We come against MS. Lord, we ask for your healing to flow. We ask for your kingdom to come and your will to be done in our bodies this morning. Lord, we lay hands on our friends and we bless them with love and compassion. You're not alone. We're with you. You're not alone. We're with you. <laughs> We embrace you with the love of God, with the mercy of God, with the hope of God. Yes, Lord. Make sure you love them. Lead with love. 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 Yes, Lord. 